All right. How are you doing? Good to see all of you. I wonder what this is. It, it almost looks like a person, right? Dreadlocks and everything, yeah. Um, but uh, no, this is, a, this is a mop. And um, this is what you used to, to mop floors. How many of you have ever, ever mopped floors? Okay, some of you are, are looking at me like, I have no clue what this is. Okay. You got you to gotta learn. You got to learn. But um, anyway... Um, sometimes it's good to, to basically do a, do a spring cleaning and so on. And, um, and actually, um, I wasn't really good um, with cleaning um, as, a, as a single guy. Um, to be honest, it's confession time. Um, like when I studied in Groningen and in, uh, in Amsterdam later on, um, I did, uh, I maybe cleaned my house like once every two months. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah, but obviously it's better to do it weekly or, or bi-weekly uh, for some of us, depending if you have kids or not. For us, it's daily <laughs> these days <laughs> with our kids. But um, no, it's, cleaning is important, and sometimes it's also important to do like a spiritual cleaning, deep cleaning. How do you know that that's important? Yeah? Take some time out to, uh, to, to take inventory of your life, you know, what's going on in your life. Um, is there some stuff that you need to get rid of? Uh, you know, do you need to take time to focus a little more on God and, and on his things? And, and actually, the awakening period, 21 days of prayer and fasting, is, ju- is a period just like that. Uh, we want to give you the opportunity to uh, take inventory of your spiritual life and to, to really focus on God in these next 21 days. And uh, today, my message is going to be prepared, uh, is, is, is based on um, Daniel chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, look it up, Daniel chapter 10. Um, also, if you have an online app, use that chapter, go to that chapter, and we'll dig into that in just a moment. But before we do it, let's pray. God, we come to you, Lord, at this moment. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that through awakening, through our 21 days of prayer and fasting, that you want to bring revival, you want to bring restoration to our lives, to our families, to this church, to our community, Father, around us. God, do something exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. God, we, we look forward to the next 21 days and what you're going to download in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, so prayer and fasting is are two important components of these next 21 days. And some of you were, were th- must have been thinking, like, 21 days, no food. <laughs> well, don't worry. You don't have to go uh, 21 days without food. You could if, you, if you're an experienced person uh, with fasting. Uh, if not, don't try it. Or go, go see a doctor first, maybe, if you, if you want to do it. But um, there's something that we, um, in our, if you want to grow in our relationship with God, um, you know, prayer is important, reading the Bible is important, having our own devotional times with God are important. But if we really want to go deeper in our relationship with God, there's something else that we need to add to that, which is basically fasting. So when we really take time to focus on God more than we would in other times of the year. And there's a closeness to God that you will not experience through personal devotions or, or prayer alone. You must fast from time to time. Because through prayer, we connect with God. And through fasting, we disconnect from the world. And sometimes we need to have those moments where we disconnect from the things around us. Because the more we disconnect with the world, the the more we can connect with God. The question you may have right now, hearing about the fast here at Thousand Hills, 
is, is fasting a New Testament thing? Is this something that, is, that, that we should do even as, as Christians, as, as, as believers in Jesus? Because John the Baptist, his disciples, they fasted. And the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they fasted. And Jesus and his disciples didn't. And if they didn't, should we fast then? But Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 16, and when you fast, everybody say when. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And when John the Baptist's disciples confronted Jesus, that he and his disciples didn't fast, unlike them, Jesus said this, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. Then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the bar garment, or, and a worse tear is made. Neither is, there, is, is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. No, the disciples of Jesus didn't fast when Jesus was still with them. But there will be a day, and this is after his ascension. You know, we know, we knew, we know that he would rise, uh, raise from, rise from the dead, and then, um, then go to heaven, ascend to heaven. And after his ascension, that's when the disciples would fast later on. But there were, but Jesus was very careful when he explained this to add an analogy in the in the story here to talk about the wineskins and the wine, the new wine. And there's something important that he wants to say here because new wine is a is a picture. It's a symbol for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Whenever we read about new wine, it's, there's, this, there's this picture of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. If you want to live for God, if you want to live and honor God, you cannot do it in your own strength. You will need the new wine of the Holy Spirit to live in victory, to live the way God wants you to live. We need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, hey, you got to be like that new wineskin, which can only contain, which can contain that new wine that we all, that we all need, that new wine of the Holy Spirit. Basically, he's saying, you can't, if you want to fast, you can't go at it with an Old Testament perspective. You need to have a New, new Testament perspective on fasting and what, what the meaning of it is for our lives today. You know, in the Old Testament, people fasted when they were mourning. Something bad happened to their family. They would fast. Or they would fast to, to try to twist God's arm and make him change his mind about something. I mean, if you look at the story of Jonah in Nineveh, you know, the people, it was a godless city. And, uh, and Jonah, Jonah was called by God to go to the city and, and preach judgment. And then the people heard it. They, even the king heard it. And they said, you know, everybody fast. And, 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 and when they fasted, because they fasted, God relented and the city wasn't destroyed as, as he intended to do at first. That's a new, an Old Testament type of fasting, an Old Testament mindset to fasting. In the New Testament, fasting becomes feasting. We, we fast because we want to feast in the presence of God. We are desperate to experience more of him in our lives. And that's my desire, my, my prayer for all of you this year, in 2019, as we get this year started. I believe that God wants to 
have you have all of us experienced more of his presence that we can feast in the presence of God that we can we can experience more of God's glory more of his love in our lives all of that we're desperate to experience more of him and I love the story in Daniel chapter 10 where we actually got the idea from to fast for 21 days you know what I, what, what is so cool um, is that we started this um, quite a few years ago maybe maybe eight years ago or something that we started fasting we, we took our cues from a couple of our friends' churches in the States. And now more and more churches are starting to pick this up at the beginning of the year. It's here in the Netherlands. It's amazing to see how many churches are actually doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. But the 21 days is actually based on something in the Bible. And it's important for us to realize what this is. You know, again, those 21 days, you don't necessarily need to go without food for 21 days. There's other things you can fast from. Maybe there are, you know, certain type of foods that you can fast from. Maybe there is... There are certain type of activities that you do that take your focus away from God. Maybe you can eliminate those things from your life for the next 21 days and see what God will do as a result of that. So when we look at Daniel and how he fasted, we got to realize that, that he's fasting from a New Testament, from an Old Testament perspective, because this is part of the Old Testament. However, there's many important things we can learn from this story. Um, and, and, and use it in the New Testament context. So let's read Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and had, and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, nor meat, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes like flaming torches his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude of a multitude. I always like to look at the names that are mentioned in a story like this. The name Daniel means um, God is my judge. God is my judge. Refer to the God of the Israelites, the, the God of the Hebrews, Yahweh. And, and Belteshazzar, that name is a Chaldean name. It was given to Daniel in the Babylonian time. And it means Bel protects the prince. And you need to know a little bit of the context here to understand what's going on. But Bel is a Babylonian god. Babylon. And um, you got you to gotta remember that um, Daniel, this was years before the story that we read right now. Probably decades before. And um, Daniel was living in the Babylonian Empire. Now that empire had been taken over by Persia. But he was named after a Babylonian god. And the Babylonians, they had multiple gods. Bel was just one of them. And, and what they would do with, with bright young guys like Daniel and his friends. You see that at the beginning of the, the book of Daniel. They, are, um, they, were, they were put in a um, like re-education program. Guys like Daniel, they were like some of the brightest of of the countries that were overrun by the Babylonians. And, and they, they wanted to kind of make use of their, their intelligence, but they had to first reprogram them. They had to brainwash them 
to get used to Babylonian culture and customs and, and knowledge and everything like that. So, he, so they were reprogrammed, re-educated by the Babylonians. I think this is what's happening in our culture today as well. Babylonian culture tried to change the identity of, Babel, uh, of, of Daniel and his friends. Changing their names was only just one small thing. When we look at culture today, when we look at our young people, they're being bombarded with efforts from society and from their friends and from everything around them to change their identity, to, to fit in with a culture that is so opposed to God's culture, kingdom culture, that you can see in the Bible. When you see everything that's happening, like in schools, when you see everything that's happening in a society, you know, society is trying to push a, a different identity on them, a different sexual identity, a different identity in terms of, uh, you know, wealth and, and money and all those type of things, a different identity in every aspect of their lives. Society is trying to impress that on them and force them to, to, to bow down and be part of the culture that is around us. But Daniel and his friends, they wouldn't let it. They wouldn't allow the culture around them to force them to change. Yes, Daniel listened to his name, Belteshazzar, but he knew he was still Daniel. He knew that God was still his judge. He wouldn't allow society to let him fit in the things. And you, you look at the earlier stories of the, of the Bible, you know, uh, in, in the book of Daniel. I mean, those first chapters, you see that Daniel's friends are put into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't serve the God of the Babylonians. They wouldn't, they wouldn't honor, they wouldn't worship that, those gods. And they, they're stuck with their own God, with Yahweh. So they were put in a fiery furnace. You see, Daniel was put in the, the, the lion's den, food for the lion, but he wasn't eaten by the lions because God protected him. God was his judge. So it's important for us to realize that, that, that we stay rooted in our identity in Jesus. Acknowledge him, put him one, number one in our lives. Don't bow down to society's pressure. And in verse 2 and 3, it's interesting what it says here. It says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered, entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for, for the full three weeks. Again, you see here the, the mourning. Daniel was mourning instead of feasting. New Testament Fasting is feasting. We can feast in the presence of God. Daniel still had an Old Testament mindset here. So he changed his diet for 12 days. He also changed his personal care habits, as you can see. Let me tell you this, friends. Don't change your personal care habits in these coming 21 days. Don't skip the shower. All right? And if you do, don't come to church, please. Daniel, there are three things that he changed in his diet. He ate no delicacies, he ate no meat, and he drank no wine. In other words, he didn't eat sweet things. He didn't eat meat, so he, it was a vegetarian uh, stuff that he ate. And he didn't drink alcoholic drinks. That's the Daniel fast, basically, that, that some, some people talk about. And there's more, you can, fi you can find out more about that in a, in a manual that we basically wrote. And you can find it at the Welcome Home, Welcome Center at the back, right there after the service. 
But the word delicacy, I just want to want to focus on that word for just a few moments. The, the Hebrew word for delicacies is chamudot. And it's based on another Hebrew word, it's chamad. And it means to take pleasure in something. To take pleasure in something. And I'll get back to that word later on in the message. But just to, remind, to remember this word, can we all say this word out loud? Chamudot. Chamudot, okay? All right. Hope I pronounced it right. So verse 4 then shows that Daniel was standing on the bank of the Tigris River. And, and this was a quiet place where he could focus on God. And this was something that happened in the context of those days in a place like Babylon where, where Daniel lived, where they uh, didn't have synagogues maybe. Uh, they, they needed to find a place where they could pray, where they could find the rest to, to see God. And, and many Jews did that on the, on the bank of a river. You see that in the New Testament as well in, in multiple places. The bank of the river is a great place to kind of see God and, and just focus on him. And that's what, what Daniel was doing. And as he was doing that, he sees a man clothed in linen that appears to him. And when you see a man clothed in linen, it's usually like an angelic figure, an angel that appears to people. By the way, I've said this before, but just for you all to know, angels don't have wings. Okay, angels, angels don't look like chubby babies with little wings like they do in the Vatican. They don't. I mean, every time when, a, when an angel is described, he's described as a messenger, as a male figure that is just a little taller than a, than a human being, just a little more, you know, uh, imposing, uh, muscular maybe, maybe like they've done CrossFit or something. They're just an impressive figure. That's, that's how the Bible describes angels in the, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're, they're, like, they're like impressive figures. So what happened when Daniel fasted? This is important to look at, verse 7 through, through 9. And, the, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my, my, with my face to the ground. Interesting how there was no strength left in him when he saw the angel. There are three things that basically happened to Daniel. And I believe that as we line things up for our own fast and, and focus on God in these coming 21 days, that this is actually um, guidance for what we can expect in our own lives. First thing was that Daniel had a spiritual experience. Daniel had a spiritual experience. He was overcome by the supernatural presence of an angel. And, and I believe that when we fast and pray that we can actually be overcome by the presence of God. The presence of God is in this place. I believe when we are a bit more intentional with seeking God through fasting, I believe we can experience more of his presence in our lives. It's interesting to see that his human strength left him. There was no strength left in me, the passage says. And that's what happens when, we, when, we, when we're in the presence of God, when God shows up in power. We're, we're aware of our own shortcomings. We're aware of our own weaknesses. It's like we can't stand anymore. It's, it's so powerful when God shows up. And I believe that it's so important for us to know that you know, when, when in our weakness, God is strong. 
again, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives. We need that new wine in our lives. To live before his face, to live like how he intended us to live. But it all is, is coming from a deep spiritual experience that we can have with the Lord, that we can have with his Holy Spirit. We can experience the presence of Almighty God in our, in our, in our lives, in our midst. Daniel was overcome by the supernatural presence of an angel. We can be overcome by the supernatural presence of Almighty God. Verse 10 and 11. Behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. What happens here? Daniel doesn't only get a spiritual experience. He gets a spiritual experience for a purpose. There's a bigger purpose behind it. He was commissioned for a task. Daniel was commissioned for a task. See, in verse 11, he was given a message. And in verse 9, uh, 16, we didn't read this part, but, but it, it makes it clear that there's another angel that touches Daniel's lips. I had to think of um, Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah is in the throne room of God. There's a seraphim, a seraph that, 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 that goes to him and has his burning coal and puts, puts it on his lips and purifies his lips so that he can speak the word of God. And that's what happens when, when we get into God's presence. There's an assignment that God has for every person in this room. There's a task for every person in this room, but we need to allow God we need to allow God to purify us. In his presence, we get purified. We need him to show up. Story continues, verse 12. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you've set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I've come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. So on the first day, Daniel started praying and fasting. God had already heard Daniel's requests. You know, God's answers to our prayers may not always come overnight. But he does hear your prayers. He Daniel had to push through for 21 days to, to receive his breakthrough, to receive his answer. What if he would have stopped at 19 days? When we set ourselves to fasting and prayer for 21 days, let's, let's, let's keep pushing forward in that. Let's not stop halfway, but keep fo focusing on him. When, when, when Daniel started fasting and praying, things started to move in the supernatural realm. You got to understand a little bit of the, uh, um, of the spiritual world. Uh, to understand, to get what's going on right here in the story of Daniel. There is a prince here of the kingdom of Persia. That's not a prince like our own Willem Alexander. This is a spiritual authority, a evil spiritual ruler that was holding a whole geographical area in his grip, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And there was another angel, Michael, who was obviously an um, angel that was um, not, not rebellious like this prince of Persia, basically. He served God. 
we got our angel, Michael. And, and you, you see here from, from the story here in, in Daniel that there, are, there is a spiritual reality that's, that's going on around us. And the problem for us Westerners is that we've, we've basically, we don't really believe this stuff. We don't really, maybe we believe in God, but we don't believe that there is a spiritual world that there are other spiritual beings, angels and demons and, and, and spiritual rulers like, like the ones mentioned to here. But in order to understand the Bible, we've got to believe this. And you see that this is not something that only happens in the book of Daniel, that Daniel was some kind of crazy guy or so. No, this whole idea is repeated in the New Testament. Paul speaks about these evil spiritual rulers. He says this in Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why would you put on the whole armor of God? Probably because there's a warfare going on. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Interestingly enough, all the words that Paul uses here in the Greek are words that are being used of geographical rulers. These are also like spiritual evil rulers that are in charge of a specific area, just like this prince of the kingdom of Persia. He's talking about the very same thing. And if that reality is still there in Paul's day, it's still there in our day because nothing has changed since then. So those were the type of powers that that the angel that appeared to Daniel was up against. And those spiritual powers are still active today, although their eviction note has already been given when Jesus died on the cross. There is breakthrough. Breakthrough has already happened. There's still in this world, they're still trying to, um, trying to slow down the process of, of God fulfilling the whole you know, plan that's written in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, other books. You know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to, Hold as many people captive as possible, making sure they will perish. He's trying to slow down. They're trying to slow down the whole process, but, but the battle's already been won. And that's why we don't have to be afraid if Jesus is our Lord and Savior, if he's our number one in our lives, we know that he's already been conquered. The devil's already been conquered. We don't need to be afraid anymore. But there is a reality that's going on, so we need to be aware of this in the way how we pray, in the way, in the things that, that we do in our lives. You know what, in these next 21 days, I believe there's going to be great breakthrough in your life. I believe there's going to be great breakthrough in your family, in your workplace, in your business, your school. I believe things are going to take place that you've never seen before, you've never experienced before. We're fasting in prayer, not only for our own spiritual breakthrough, but also for the spiritual breakthrough in the lives of the people around us who are not yet surrendered to God. God is asking us, focus on him. Back to verse 12, and you'll see Daniel's heart behind his fasting. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I've come because of your words. Three things in the text here. Daniel had, Daniel feared God. He was afraid of what, what was happening at that moment when he had that encounter with the angel. And when you look at the first chapters of the book of Daniel, you'll see that Daniel was a man who feared God, who um, 
really honored God with everything that was in him. He had so much respect for God. And that's what we call fear. Fear is not some kind of, like, I'm afraid that God will hit me with a baseball, baseball bat or something like that. Fear is like we honor him. We make him number one of our lives. We really see him for who he is. That's what fear in God means. He also had a desire to understand God's plan as we see in the text here. That's something that we need to have, a, a desire to understand God's plan with our lives, with, with, with our church, with, with our nation, with this world. we got to understand that in order to be effective, in order to be released in the plan that God has for us. Daniel was also humble. He was a man of humility. Three things. And there's one last thing that stood out to me when I read the story. That is, that is something you can find in verse 11. Because the angel calls Daniel, O man greatly loved. O man greatly loved. You got to know that the word loved is not a very good translation here. Better translation is greatly esteemed or respected or favored. Something like that. Do you know the word that the Hebrew uses here? Again, it's the word chamudot. The same word as was used for delicacies, for, for like sweet things, for delicious food. In verse 3. When Daniel decided to not take pleasure in this delicious foods for a while, God took special pleasure in Daniel. Because Daniel decided to set time aside to fast and pray and to see God's heart like never before. God he had special attention for him. He kept, Daniel captured God's attention. When you decide, you and I decide to, to not take pleasure in delicious food for a while, God will take special pleasure in us, in you and me. You know what? You may think, well, but God loves us, right? Yes, God loves us. God loves every single person in this world. You know, no matter how far you are away from, no matter how, how much you've sinned in your life, God loves you. But there's something else. There's, there's favor, divine favor that can come on your life when we seek him, when we seek him with all our heart. When it's no longer about, you know, performance anymore, but when we just seek his presence and want to be in his presence. There's such a great difference with, between God's love and God's favor. God's favor will come, us when we, will come upon us when we choose to do his will, when we choose to serve, when we choose to do the things that he's asking us to do. God gives us love and grace without it costing us anything. But favor comes on our lives through obedience and sacrifice. His favor will rest upon us when we choose to do His will, when we choose to seek His heart. When we fast and pray with the right motivation, God's favor will rest on us in ways like we've never experienced before. And I, and I can't wait to see what this 21 days period here in 2019 will accomplish in your life as you seek him, as you seek him with all your heart. You know, again, prayer is connecting with God, but fasting is disconnecting from the world. And, and I believe God is asking all of us to, to look at how we can disconnect just a little more from the world around us. You know, I believe God calls us to pray. He calls us to, to, to really Make sure that we have a discipline, a healthy discipline in our lives, that we seek Him every day. We take time to, to draw near to His heart because He wants to draw near to our hearts. 
But we can only experience it if, we, if our heart goes out to him. If we set time apart to seek him through prayer, but also for reading the Bible. Because the Bible is not just a boring book with a lot of stories in it. It is an amazing book that when you ask the Holy Spirit to, to illuminate your heart and to make you understand what's in there, it's going to be powerful. It's going to change your life. The Bible allows you to, to understand God's heart on things that are happening in your life and your family. The Bible is, allows you to understand what's going on in the world around us. But we got to go back to the Word of God. we got to go back to His Word. And then there's fasting. In other words, abstaining some, some, from some things that are in the way of us connecting with God. Maybe it could be certain food. Maybe it could be Alcohol, alcoholic beverages. Maybe it could be entertainment, Netflix, or games, video games. Maybe it's social media that is basically taking time away from, from drawing near to God with all your heart. You know, I don't say this to be legalistic in any way. This is something that, that you got to figure out with the Lord. But wouldn't it be awesome if all of us had such an amazing experience with God these next 21 days, that our lives will be, you know, that we will go deeper, that our roots will go deeper in, in God's love and, and that we will grow in maturity and people around us will think, man, what has God done in so-and-so's life? I want our church to grow. I want us all to experience more of Him in our lives. I want our church to go to the next level and you know, walk with God. This year can be your best year yet, spiritually speaking. January 2019 can be the month where revival started in your life. It could be the month where revival started in this church and in this nation. It's my desire to see him bring revival. There's anything, if there's anything else that's more, no, this is the most important thing for me to see revival happen. And not just like a, a couple of weeks that, hey, we experience more of God's presence. No, a whole year, the whole future of this church, the whole future of your life. And we can, this is actually something that, that we can receive and maintain for the rest of our lives. Revival. And we could all stand in the presence of the Lord. My prayer for you is that favor will rest. God's divine favor will rest on you. These next 21 days and this whole year. And if that's your desire at this moment, if you wanna, if you wanna humble yourself before him and, and basically say to the Lord, Lord, I want, I want that. I want revival in my life. I want, but more than every, anything else, I want to draw near to you. I want to be in your presence like never before. I want to, I want my, I want to have like a spiritual that when I hit the spiritual reset button of my life today, that's you. Just raise your hand right now. Maybe we could all close our eyes. Raise your hand and, and surrender to him. I believe there's more people that got to raise their hand. Don't be shy right now. Let's raise our hand and worship to him. There's so much God wants to do in your life. God, we come to you right now. We come to you humble and hungry. We got hungry hearts for, for your presence got hungry hearts for your power in our lives. And God, over these next 21 days of prayer and fasting, we want to 
We want to submit ourselves to you, carve our time to seek you, God, with all our heart through prayer, reading your word, and through, you know, maybe not eating some things or not doing some things in these coming, coming weeks. But God, may this year be the moment where revival started. God, I prophesy revival over the life of every person in this room right now. I speak new life, new spiritual life over every person in this room right now. God, help us to go to the next level in our journey with Jesus. God, there's so much more that you want us to experience in 2019, Father. And God, allow us to never go back to where it used to be, where our spiritual lives used to be. Allow us to press into your presence right now in the name of Jesus. God, we worship you. We honor you. We love you, Jesus. We want more of you, God. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, there's another thing I want to pray for. And, you know, we talked about God's favor and God's love and the difference between two of them. And you may be here in this room right now and you feel like God doesn't love you. You feel like God has rejected you. Maybe because of something you did. Maybe, maybe because you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You feel like God is mad at you. Let me tell you this. God loves you. And he wants, he wants you to be in his family. He wants you to... Be close to, close to him. And he's saying, come to me right now. All you are weary in spirit, all who are weary. He loves you. And if you feel like you got to take a step back to him or maybe take a first step to him. Because there, there's forgiveness of sins, of, of every wrong decision you've made in the past. And not only that, there is eternal life waiting for you. And Jesus is your number one. I want to invite you to take a step this morning to make Jesus your all, to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. It's the best life you could ever live. So if you want to receive God's love for your life, if you want to take that step and make Jesus your Lord and Savior, or maybe come back to him this morning, with every eye closed, every head bowed, just raise your hand right now. Because I want to pray with you. See a hand. Thank you. I see one more hand over there. One more over there. I'll leave us some more people. See one back there. Thank you very much. There's probably some more people that need to raise their hands at this moment. That's you. Let's pray out loud together. Thank you for raising your hands. Let's pray out loud together. Jesus, I thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross for my sins so I can receive forgiveness. Thank you for ri rising from the dead so that I may have life, abundant life and eternal life. Today I want to turn from my sin. Today I want to turn from a self-centered life. And I want to turn to you, Jesus. God, I want to make you my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. Amen. Amen.